Welcome back to the Platform 24 podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And if you listen to our first episode, we had one of our co-founders, Tony Unfried, on the show. This time, we have our other co-founder, Daniel Abdallah. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Daniel, you're the CTO of the Brookfield Group, not to be confused with a law firm, right? Correct. Briefly, what does the Brookfield Group do? The Brookfield Group provides technology services for uh, businesses focusing in IT managed services, software development, networking, thinking like your internet, your Wi-Fi, things like that. Um, And then we do everything from helping define business processes by using technology. So you're really just the turnkey. If somebody wants to use technology within the business, they come to the Brookfield Group and they can do anything from I want to write an app to my mouse is broken. My mouse is broken. Yeah. And I guess full disclaimer, I should say that I work for the Brookfield group as well. That's correct. Um, so I may have some answers accidentally, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, so the Brookfield group does a lot. Can you explain it in five words or less? Ooh, that's, it doesn't have to be a sentence. It could just be the Brookfield group in five words or less. Okay. IT. Okay. Software. Okay. Networking. Three. It's tough. There's so many yeah. words that come to mind. It's hard to uh, hard to narrow it down to five. Uh, VoIP. Okay. Am I cheating? Because uh, that's like a little acronym there. Okay. Yeah. I think it's mostly used as one word. Okay. Do I, should I, uh, voice over IP? I mean, that, that's. I was going to say VoIP. Yeah, just you, VoIP. Yeah, I mean, VoIP it's, is it fine. Work, yeah. And then, um. Technology. Technology. I was thinking technology. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right? How I do I be broad enough to, to encompass everything? I wasn't going to get you let you get away with MSP, managed service provider, because that's definitely three words that nobody, unless you're True. in the industry, you wouldn't really. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah I, I agree with that. I would I would have I would have kicked that out also. Yeah. I think that's fair. So there's an office in Indianapolis, Carmel, technically. Car- well, Carmel in Indianapolis. Carmel in Indianapolis. Indianapolis, our data center. Right, so there's a data downtown. center downtown. Carmel is kind of the home the home base yep. where it all started. Other locations? Yeah, so we have, uh, as you mentioned, Carmel, Indianapolis. We have St. Louis, Missouri, technically the Creve Core area, if you want to get really specific for all those St. Louis fanatics out there. Yeah. And then we have Olympia, Washington, which is about an hour and a half south of Seattle. Olympia, the latest sort of acquisition correct are all the offices kind of doing similar things within the business space or do some places have a speciality so both our st louis location and olympia have a focus have always been focused on providing voice services so telecommunication from back in the day analog systems to now doing voice over ip digital systems and any more that the voice industry is moving more into being an all in all data focus. So right. it's, it's not that much different from then setting up a computer system, right? Not different than setting up a server. So the idea has been, we, we move into an industry that are, and we, we, uh, we acquire a company 
that has a niche and a customer base that we then add on our uh, additional services. So Olympia, for example, is our most recent one. We, we They have a great, strong 30-year base in that area, and we've been uh, marketing ourselves to that current customer base and you know, letting them know the other services that we can provide, everything from managing their workstations to helping them write the next app that they want to build to help run or build their business. Kind of like a, a surprise and delight. Like we do phones, but hey, look at this uh, project management <laughs> look behind for you. curtain number one. And there's a networking closet or something exactly. like that. Going back to voice from an industry perspective, because you mentioned like a 30-year customer base. There had to been a time when, and I was trying to explain this to my mom over the holiday break, about how businesses need a voice infrastructure and it's not as easy as plugging a phone into a wall to get all of like the advanced features that you'd want out of a phone. This had to be a, a big box somewhere at that office. Is it, Are we like pivoting to, you mentioned data, are we pivoting to where for with with voice yeah so a lot of uh, a lot of voice is going to unified communication system so where it can handle all of the communication for your organization so that's everything from phone calls to messaging to sms to um, just kind of how you you interface with your with your customers voice is still a, a primary in a, a very important way that people get in touch with businesses and it's not as easy as just saying everybody has a cell phone and everybody's just going to do their cell phones. There's, there's, there's different things that you can't do with that. That still requires some sort of voice system to handle the call trees, the cues, the who picks up the phone when that person's not available. So it's uh, unifying all that information or all of those systems and putting them into uh, one unified way of how you want to manage the communication to and from your uh, your customers. Yeah, and I think with people who are always, well, I've got a, a cell phone. I'll just, I'll just use my cell phone. And a lot of times for me personally, there needs to be a siloed off of this is my work time and this is my work phone number that you can contact me at and this is my personal f- time and my personal phone number that you can contact. And those, you know, again, again like you said, those lines are blurring especially with, you know, the changing age of the general workforce. But it's still helpful for somebody to be to sit down at a desk and have a phone tree set up so their phone isn't just constantly going off all, all the time. Yeah, the other thing is is protecting the company's best interest also. If you're able to provide a way where there's a there's a VoIP app or there's a there's a a, a work app for communication on your phone that you direct all customers to reach a technician or employee at that you 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 help reduce the risk if that um, employee leaves that you are still able to capture all of the communication coming to the employee so they leave that number gets reassigned to somebody else or it gets directed to customer support queue or it gets directed to vp of sales or get directed to somebody so that way when a customer reaches out they weren't necessarily reaching out via text and uh, voice to a employee's uh, direct cell phone where when they leave they, they take all that that uh, customer history with them right and that's a big we talk about data all the time customer data and even just like leads from a company or a company 
corporate address book or I mean that's we've seen lawsuits in the past where people leave and all of a sudden they've taken every single contact that yep. they've ever had and threw it into a person that was on a personal device and left and now you've got yeah. you know so and so works for a competing company and now they're talking with yep and so that's, customers. that's kind of like where we where we do where we fit well with organizations how do we help you control that data from in, in the organization's best interests make it easy for everyone to do their jobs but also do it in a way that the data is controlled and has systems in place to be able to protect it going forward i mean i have a computer sitting right next to us right now that was basically that same situation that you're talking about that we're doing some forensics on to try and figure out what all data they took and what did they delete what did they move everything like that yeah do you think one of the most important jobs of anybody at the Brookfield Group is like explaining the importance of technology in the, in the workplace? Yeah, yeah, that's that's one thing that we're really focusing on. I mean, it, and I know you've heard me say it is that every company anymore is a tech company. Some of them just don't either realize it yet or want to believe it. Yeah. But you look at the let's we'll use a bakery that just popped up in downtown Carmel, for instance. What are they using to run their business now? They're using Stripe. They're using some sort of uh, SaaS platform that yeah. is helping to run their business. And at the end of the day, they're relying on technology to be able to deliver that cupcake to the to the end customer. And our goal is to help them understand and navigate those things and be able to help them better utilize them to help grow their business. And at the end of the day, most of the people who are either the 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 CEO or president or leader of the organization end up getting their hands tied in managing the technology. And that's not probably in some cases that is their best fit. In other cases, that's not what they want to be doing. And they could be outgrowing the business if they, they could be out, they could be outgrowing the business faster and better if they weren't also having to manage all the trouble tickets that come in for, you know, my email doesn't work. My laptop arrow keys don't work or, I need a new phone or, you know, I need my password reset, that kind of stuff. Yep. Let's change gears for a little bit. Platform 24. Yep. Co-founded with Tony. Yep. You were kind of the brainchild. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In the sense of like, he was there to make a lot of like really great connections, Mm -hmm. but you kind of saw the space and were like, okay. What yep. was what was that inspiration when you when you thought let's take this big chunk of an office building and make it a co-working space? Yeah, so I travel a decent amount and I'd used co-working spaces or open workspaces whether that's a Starbucks or I guess maybe the bad word in the industry now, we work. Right. Um, but uh, we I had originally had the idea when I started at the Brookfield Group in official capacity, which I guess maybe sidebars that I've technically been working since I was like seven years old. Yeah. Didn't get paid probably because of child labor laws <laughs> and then have been working. Well, yeah, I guess we never, we never talked about that. Brookfield Group was started by your dad. Yep. 1987. 1987. Jeez. He started, if I remember correctly, building computers in his garage somewhere kind of yeah, like yeah, that. We had, yeah, we had computers in the garage <laughs> ever since I was little. <laughs> Some of them got stolen once. Oh. The garage door was left open. Oh, man. Yeah, so that was fun. And so you've been involved, you know, from a family perspective, from a business perspective ever since probably you could walk around the office. Yeah. 
and then just sort of grew up around technology. Um, what'd you go to school for? Uh, went to Purdue for electrical engineering. And then right after that, you moved to, you're still here. Yeah. I moved to Carmel and then, uh, worked for a company called InDesign on the east side of Indianapolis, uh, working as an electrical engineer doing electrical design and product development for InDesign and their customers. And then the opportunity from, for a C level position opened up here and wasn't necessarily that it was more of, uh, needed some help from more of the engineering process, figuring out how we put some things together because we were starting to um, grow much faster either through acquisitions or just natural growth from hiring on or um, acquiring new customers. There was just a need that I was maybe a little uniquely suited to fit where I'd been in the MSP space for quite some time had relationships already with most of the customers that were Brookfield customers because I'd worked with them when I was in high school and worked with them when I was in college and then had an engineering background to help try and ask the the tough questions or help put together the right questions to help figure out the process to make things work better for us and for our customers. Unique skill set to kind of, again, explain why the technology is there and why it's important. Yep. But also you can get nitty gritty and really talk about teraflops and megabytes and <laughs> yeah you know how electrons move D- ddr yeah, how, yeah. Le- how does electricity work <laughs> so sorry a sidebar yeah so sidebar. total sidebar so slice chop in so chop when off. i came over to work for brookfield officially after after indesign uh one of the things was in our office here in carmel there was about eleven thousand square feet that had been occupied by an engineering firm previously that sat empty for between two and three years. At the time, there wasn't a there wasn't a a co working space of that size with the focus that we wanted to have, which was just providing a really cool space that was focused on allowing people to get work done and being more flexible than having to sign a one year, two year, three year, 10 year lease or anything like that. Basically saw the space, talked with the the landlord here at our building and um, kind of formed a partnership with them to agree that, hey, we were going to take over this space and what were the what were the dollars and what did the project look like to be able to turn it into what it is today. So everything in that space, uh, we worked with a couple different firms here in town to, to build it all out from architectural to actual um, people putting up, tearing down and putting up the walls. But um, at the end of the day, I, I designed it. I picked the finishes. I picked the, everything that went into it, the layout. Um, definitely learned some things along the way. It would be a, a little different if I did it again. You're a better but, workplace uh, designer now. Yeah, I bet. M- yeah, much, much better now. And uh, overall, I, I think it turned out, turned out pretty well. And um we're, we, for a while, I guess we were the largest. I don't know if that still holds as far as like square footage goes. We've got a, um, got a couple newcomers to, yeah. to town, but it's which right. is good. It's cool to see. That's the fun thing about the Indiana co-working communities that we're all pretty friendly. Uh, we, we, I say Chris and I <laughs> went to a summit in New York for co-working spaces, uh, specifically ones that use a, a software platform that we use to manage our our co-working space and one everybody was surprised at 
how large our space was considering right New and York. with parking and with parking right yeah yeah so that was something shocking um, pretty much every other co-working space was based out of new york at this summit there's maybe one from colorado i think maybe but i can't remember everybody also was very interested in and in how our model worked especially then when we had a partnership with speakeasy mm-hmm. where we we shared access between our two or three locations at the time and uh, they were like wow that would never happen out here it's too cutthroat yeah I mean, of course, that's just the difference between Indianapolis as a metro and New York as a metro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you, get, you, you cram enough people into a, that tiny space and people kind of get a little, yeah. little antsy. Let's say from signing of the of the initial like space contract to opening day, how long did platform build out take? It took about a year, I would say, safely. That seems fast. It was it was pretty quick. I mean, <laughs> a year of actual kind of like planning to ribbon cutting and then there's like six months of build out. But yeah, it was it was pretty breakneck pace because that's and bringing in finishes. That's ordering. That's contracting. That's yeah. It's waiting in, seven weeks for glass doors, bringing in office furniture. Yep. I mean, people don't realize how long it takes once Forever. you initially order office furniture yeah. to get like manufactured and sent and then getting it scheduled to and then like built on site it's insane it was wild how do you think what's the biggest impact technology has had on the workplace and let's say in the past five years i think the biggest thing is collaboration i mean and and going more and more paperless which i think kind of go hand in hand looking at like the the microsoft suite there's everything on that now anymore is built to be able to collaborate with your uh, coworkers as well as with people outside of your organization. It's made things, the pace at which you're able to complete and manage projects much faster. Uh, I know for myself, I don't have many papers or anything other than working within my technology stack to be able to accomplish what I do every day. And it then also allows me to work wherever I'm at, which also leads to enhancing collaboration. So, I mean, there are times where I've been not in the office for two weeks, but I'm still working and still able to get everything done that needs to be done. And it's really um, removed the, the chains, I guess, of having to be at the same desk every day to be able to accomplish what you do. Do you think the tools are becoming too complex for people where it can actually hinder their productivity because you mentioned how integrated office the office suite is 365 and you know you've got everything has one drive and everything has teams integration and everything has a thousand different buttons that can do 10,000 different things yeah I think the I think the thing is is developing the processes around how you're going to use the technology and that's something that we're not immune to either, even though we're a technology company that helps people understand technology. There's something that's always changing that you have to reevaluate the way that you've done things whenever a change comes and understand is the piece of technology that I'm using today serving me as well as it was three years ago. And if it's not, or I don't feel it is, is there a piece of technology out there that can help me do it? So it becomes a very iterative process, which does become complicated. And it is something that it requires time in order for it to stay an effective uh, for you in order for you and your team to stay effective using it. 
would you say that the Brookfield Group battle tests a lot of these processes and software before maybe presenting it to a customer? Yeah, we we definitely are always trying something. We're anywhere we can. We're beta testers for the tools that we provide to our customers or recommendations that we provide. So that way we know what's what's coming, what's there, what's broken, what's not broken. Not every piece of technology is going to be perfect for every single company. And uh, it's always going to require either some, if it's something that can be tweaked within the software, either it's a custom piece of software that can be redesigned or it's a tweak to how you are doing you your processes in order for you to better use the tool that you want. We do that every week, every day of the year, because we're just gluttons for punishment sometimes. And uh, we're always trying, trying new things. And if, if we're recommending it, we've used it. And if something breaks, then you guys know exactly how to fix it. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned looking forward at, at the future of technology. Um, You recently got back, we recently got back from the Consumer Electronics Show 2020 in Las Vegas, Nevada, the largest tech conference, technology conference in the country, world, maybe? I, I, I would be there. surprised with world. Um, I think this year they said there was an additional 170,000 people in the city that week. What was the coolest piece of technology you saw at CES? I know you probably get the question all the time, but what was the what was the coolest thing? Maybe not the most practical thing. Oh, but well, then definitely it's the smart potato. The smart potato. Okay, yeah. so explain the smart potato. I don't know too much about it. I didn't <laughs> dig into it too much. Um, but all I know is that it was somebody who kind of took the principle of of being able to create electricity from a potato and turn that into a a, a widget that can that you plug into the potato itself, and then you can connect it to your phone. I'm pretty sure that's all it does, <laughs> but that just kind of is it. It also goes to show how wild and crazy technology can be. If I'm may, if I'm being on the more serious note, uh, one of the cool things that we saw was this company that is working at providing um, life size AI figures. I guess I'll use right. AI presences that are on screens that are used, that are, are, are supposed to be ways that can either help with wayfinding or therapy or interacting with to gain information from a computer, essentially. Um, they're definitely one of the ones on the show floor that had the wildest looking booth that had a hundred, maybe even a thousand people standing at it to see the demo of it. And that's one of the ones that was interesting because it marries all the AI improvements, all of the connectivity improvements, all of the screen display improvements that you see throughout CES and putting into one thing and trying to find a new use or new application for how you interact with a computer. Huh. And it was pretty wild. Yeah. Pretty they, they made a person. Yeah. They made yeah, a virtual that, person basically. That reacted to, if you were upset, it would react to you being upset. So it might change its language. It might change how it interacted with you. If you were happy, it would be more energetic and would interact with you in a different way. So it was, it was pretty interesting, but smart potato. Smart potato. So if that's future tech, final question, what is your favorite piece of technology that you use right now? Day to day. Uh, my car. And your car is? Uh, Tesla model three. 
So that's, that's your f- most favorite piece of technology that you get to use every day. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down. Yeah. It, uh, I get in it. It's very minimal. Uh-huh. It's the job done. It's if it can drive me for the most part to where I want to be. It gets a little sketchy sometimes. It's still in beta. <laughs> um, everything just works well on it. It's constantly getting updates. That's probably my the thing that I love the most about it is that it's it's like my it's like my phone. It's it every month it seems like I'm getting a new feature or a new improvement or some tweak or change. And um, like for instance, there was issues with the Model Three having some break-in issues because there was a little bit of a security overlook in some areas but the next month they came out with a patch that allows you to use all of the cameras that can see pretty much 360 around your car to you just add a usb stick it turns into a recording security system added sentry mode which is always recording when your Mm. car is locked and so that alone after that had been published caught you know tons of the people that were breaking into the cars and then really started to deter people from actually doing it huh that's wild so it's a way that tesla reacted to an issue through software that actually had a meaningful difference if from any other car company would never do that never well daniel thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast thanks for having me and thank you for listening and then we will see you next time